Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, asking you to stay with me for the next few minutes, basically 30 minutes. 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, education, all, all done with no manipulation. That's right. No hidden agendas here. We don't try to con you. We're not trying to solicit money. We're not asking you to join up, fess up, give up, nothing like that. This show is simply about God's Word, me trying to give you accurate information, not not human speculation, but accurate information from the infallible canon of Scripture called the Bible. If I can do that, if I can help you orient and adjust to God's plan, that's my idea. That's what I'm trying to do. Verify it, identify it, and then you have to make the decision. You want to orient and adjust to that plan or you want to stay on your plan? You know, I always like to ask people, well, how's it going? How, how are you doing with your own plan? Because it's a wonderful thing that God has a plan for your life. I'm going to show you something rather amazing today. The amazing things about God that sometimes we don't even realize, we don't even know. But thank you for listening to The Flatline. And again, if you ever desire to hear any of these programs again, you can always contact me through the web. And that's rickhughesministries.org. rickhughesministries.org. And you can contact us, send us an email, and say, I'd like to have that uh, study that you taught, and we will send it to you on an MP3 or a CD that will play in your automobile or play on your computer. We also have many books that we've written. You can view them on the website. They're all free. There's never a charge for any of that. We've given away thousands of books to people just like yourself. And we enjoy hearing from our listeners. I've gotten several fantastic letters lately. Thank you for writing to me. Thank you for telling me how the Word of God has encouraged you. And thank you for telling me how you've gone on to pursue more depth in your spiritual life and you've found a a real qualified pastor. You've gotten under that man and you've started to study and grow and your family's growing. I love to hear those sort of things. I love to hear from people that are really growing in grace and have found their right pastor and they are sticking with it and they're becoming part of what we call the pivot. That's the core group of mature believers that deliver a nation in time of disaster. Much like what Gideon did in the Old Testament in the Bible. Just a few men, 300 men, that's all God needed. But God did the work. And we need in America a strong pivot of mature believers. Not a military pivot, not something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a spiritual pivot, a pivot of mature believers. Because as goes the believers in a nation, so goes the nation. And so if God wants to check out the United States of America to see if he wants to continue blessing us or not, he's going to look at our core group of believers to see are there mature believers down there. You remember Second Chronicles, don't you? If my people that are called by my name... That's the believers in that land. If they will humble themselves and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear their prayers and heal their land. Also in Hosea 4.6, we studied why a nation is destroyed. And Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Since you've rejected knowledge, I'll reject you, and you'll no longer be priest for me. You know, it's important that you understand 
the spiritual life operates on knowledge. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have two lives. You live a physical life. That's the life people see and the way you dress, where you live, what you do. And you live the spiritual life. That's the invisible life. That life is lived in your head, in your soul, in the invisible part of you. And that's what God can check out. When he wants to check you out, he's not looking at where you live. He's not looking at what you're wearing. He's looking at what you're thinking. And he's wanting to know if you are occupied with the person of Christ. When the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, this is telling us something. That we need to renovate our thinking. We need to change the way we think. And as a mature believer, you have to think divine viewpoint, not human viewpoint. Divine viewpoint is what mature believers operate on. Human viewpoint is what the rest of the world operates on, and most of the time it's pure evil because it's manufactured and spread by Satan. Human viewpoint, you know, like the secret to happiness is uh, having a lot of things. Uh, the secret to happiness is knowing all the right people. See, that's human viewpoint. That's not divine viewpoint. And I'll tell you today what divine viewpoint says about the secret to happiness. So today, if you're interested... If you like learning about God's Word, you're in the right place. I'm not a pastor. I'm just a radio host. We've been doing this show over 10 years. My, oper my job is to direct you to a well-qualified pastor so you can learn, so you can grow. And I can encourage you. I can identify you as a person that has hunger. We call that positive volition, a person that's hungry wanting to know more about God. Unfortunately, not a lot of people are hungry. I mean, they like pastries, and they like cake and pies and cookies and steaks and fish and chicken, but they don't like being fed the Word of God. Not too many people. But when I run across someone like maybe you, you love it. You love learning about God. You love hearing about God. You love getting into His Word and seeing the new things every day that He prepares for you. You're my kind of person. You're the person I'm looking for. And I thank you for being that way. Today I want to read to you a verse written by the Apostle Paul out of the book of Philippians. And uh, let's see if I can pull it down here and get my Bible close and not knock over all the microphones. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I'm going to back up and read verse 11 before I get into verse 12. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's the key word, to be content. And then he said these words, and it's important. He said, I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here's what I want to do today with this verse. I want to start off with the part here in this verb where he says, I have learned. I have learned. Verse 11, Philippians chapter 4. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am in, in this state, to be content. 
Learn is a Greek verb called manthano. Manthano. And we use the Greek verb because this is written in Greek. It was not written in English, so we go back to the original word. We want to see what it means. Manthano means to increase in knowledge. There's a word that comes after this that you might have heard before, mathetes. You say, what's mathetes? He's a learner or a disciple. The disciples were called mathetes because they were manthano. They were learning from Jesus Christ. They had a face-to-face instructor for three years before he went to be with the Father. There are three ways to learn. You can learn by experience, and uh, that's like an apprentice. You can learn by example, and that's like by watching your mom or your dad or your grandfather or your grandmother. Or you can learn by study and, and get it on your own. However you learn, you must learn God's Word. So here is a couple of principles I would like to give you about I have learned. Number one, the less you know, the easier it is to be manipulated by Satan. Paul said this in Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the strategy of the devil. He said, put on the helmet of salvation, pick up the sword of the spirit, put on the breastplate of righteousness, pick up the shield of faith. He used a military metaphor, much like we do on the flat line, using that 10 problem-solving devices as a flat line or a protector of your soul. It's a, it's a military term for the main line of resistance. So this is not anything new. But if you don't learn God's word, then you are easily manipulated. And this is exactly what Satan wants to do. The Bible tells us that he can even transform himself into an angel of light. And sometimes you think you're hearing the real stuff and you're not. He says even he even has ministers that do this. And I think the worst thing in the world for believers is organized religion. Because organized religion sometimes wants to tell you that if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be good. And if you're not good enough, then you're not going to go to heaven. And that's not how you get to heaven. The Bible clearly says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift from God, not of your works, lest anyone should brag about it. And so there it is, clear as a bell. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it's grace. God gives this gift to you, the gift of eternal life, by means of his grace. He who knew no sin was made sin for us, so that we may be made the righteousness of God through him. Here's what you must learn. You don't have any righteousness. The Bible says all of our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. He, Jesus Christ, is perfectly righteous. So if we come to the cross and we believe in him and receive him as our Savior, he gives us his righteousness. How does he do that? Listen again. He that knew no sin was made sin for us, so we would be made the righteousness of God through him. Why do we need to be made the righteousness of God? Because God is absolutely righteous and God's justice judges anything that's not the equivalent of that righteousness. The justice of God is the guardian of the righteousness of God. So if you come to God with minus R, no righteousness, and you say, but I've been good, I, uh, 
I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. I, I did all this stuff at church. And then, but I never trusted in the work of Christ. It was never faith alone in Christ alone. It was always faith plus something else. Faith plus baptism. Faith plus giving up RC colas. Faith plus not eating any more peanuts. Faith plus whatever. When you add something to faith, you cancel it out here. It's faith alone in Christ alone. You have to remember that. So if you don't learn this, then you wind up teaching someone else that if you want to go to heaven, it's faith plus not doing something. And then you say, well, uh, you know, if you sin and you do that, brother, you're not going to go to heaven. That's not true. The only thing that keeps anybody out of heaven is not believing in Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. There is the truth. So you have to learn that. You have to learn how to express what happened to you. It's hard to tell someone how to become a Christian if you cannot even express what happened to you. And point two, we can learn true, truth, or we can learn a lie, false. We can learn true information or false information. It depends on what you're hearing. And again, you must get under someone who can teach you truth, someone that won't give you a lot of ritual with no reality to it. Point three, perception comes by one of three ways. You know, there are two things required to grow, perception and then application. Perception comes either by rationalism, empiricism, or what we call pisticism. Rationalism is the rationality of why certain things are like they are. Empirical data, scientific data, empiricism, and pisticism from the Greek word pistis, which is faith. So we learn by means of rationalism, empiricism, or by means of faith. The spiritual life operates by means of faith. The Bible clearly says without faith it's impossible to please God. And so what is your faith based on? The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more of the Word of God you hear, the more of the Word of God you learn, the more faith you should have. That's how it works. So that's called spiritual growth. And in Hebrews chapter 5, the writer, whoever wrote that, said, there are a lot of things I'd like to tell you, but you can't handle them because you're still a baby and you need a bottle. He said you can't handle a steak. And someone needs to go back and teach you again the first basic principles of your spiritual life. That means that there are basic doctrines that everybody has to learn. We have to learn about the doctrine of salvation, how we got saved and why we stay saved. We learn the doctrine of spirituality, what it means to be a spiritual believer and what it means to be a mature believer. I mean, Billy Graham is a mature believer, you would say. Is he also a spiritual believer? Yes. Can you be a spiritual believer? Yes, the same way Billy Graham is. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, you're both spiritual believers. But you might not be as mature as him. 
Maybe you don't have the content of doctrine in your soul that he has. So there are different levels of maturity. Sometimes we have a baby believer. Sometimes we have a student believer and one is growing. And sometimes we have a mature believer. There are three different Greek words for this. Brethos, technon, and weos. So God recognizes there's different levels of maturity. But there's only one level of spirituality. Either you are filled with God's Holy Spirit by means of rebound, problem-solving device number one, or you are controlled by your old sin nature and you're carnal and in the flesh. There's no in-between. You have to remember that. The only way you can learn that is to hear someone teach that to you. And sometimes it has to be taught over and over and over again. This is called repetition. And some people say, I don't like repetition. Well, unfortunately, that's what makes it stick. If you join the military, you're going to learn how to march, and they're going to tell you about face, forward march, you know, right face, left face, and you're going to do it till you can do it in your sleep. And anyone that's ever been in the military still remembers all those cadence and all those orders because repetition. And this means simply that the rate of learning has to exceed the rate of forgetting. There is a rate of forgetting. If you're getting older, you know what I'm talking about. You forget certain things. Some of you can't even remember people's names. And you have to put them, you know, what's that guy's name? Honey, you remember that guy's name? And it was a good friend, but it just, your rate of learning has to be above your rate of forgetting. And therefore, if you're going to increase in your faith, if you're going to glorify God, you must study his word. There's another principle. Here's the first one. Let's go back. The less you know, the easier it is to manipulate you. Secondly, you can learn true or false information. Third, how do we perceive information? By rationalism, empiricism, or pisticism. And our next principle, four. You can learn by inquiry or you can learn by observation. Learning by inquiry means research and observation means watching. And so there is a way to learn by watching. Watching mature believers, how they handle things. And this is something people don't realize. You are being watched. Now here, here's a shocker for you. Not only are you being watched by those in your periphery, but you're being watched by the angels. The angels don't have the spiritual life you have. They don't go through what you go through. They're not saddled with a sin nature. They don't have the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ and God the Father all living inside of them. They're in heaven. They're in the presence of God. They're not in the devil's world. So here you are in the devil's world, saddled with an old sin nature, indwelled by God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they're watching you. You're in a theater got to remember that. And so they learn by observation, and other people learn by observing you too. That's why Paul talks about the law of liberty, and he said all things are not expedient. He said, I'll give up certain things if it discourages you. And you can learn by inquiry or asking. I'd like to tell you something to ask your pastor. I'd like for you to ask your pastor a simple question. Tell me how to be a good Christian. That's all you got to do. Get him alone. Ask him, tell me how to be a good Christian. If he doesn't tell you right off the bat, 
You cannot be a good Christian until you learn how to let the Holy Spirit control your life. If he doesn't tell you that, then he probably doesn't know that. If he tells you, you have to pray every day, brother, you have to read your Bible, brother, you have to tithe, brother, you have to come to church consistently, brother. I mean, those are things that good Christians do. But how do I become a good Christian? Maybe he doesn't know. And if you've never even heard him before, church, remind people that they cannot sit there with unconfessed sin in their life because the Holy Spirit is quenched and grieved and they won't get anything out of the service. If he doesn't bring something like that up, maybe he doesn't know it. Ask him that question. Don't embarrass him. Get him alone and ask him, how do I become a good Christian? And then listen to what he tells you. Does he tell you, you must be filled with the Spirit before you do anything? And does he tell you how to be filled with the Spirit? And that's through rebound. Every time you confess a known sin to God, you are filled with the Spirit. Every time you sin, mental attitude sin, sin of the tongue, overt sin, every time you sin, you quench the Spirit and you grieve the Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you. He sealed you until the day of redemption. That's clear in Ephesians 1.13. But the sealing and the filling are different. Here's the next principle. Satan is in the business of deception. He wants to dumb you down. This goes back to what I told you first. The less you know, the easier it is to manipulate you. So Satan wants to dumb you down. How does he do that? Well, he would like to get you distracted so you don't study the Bible. So you don't get into qualified pastor's church. You don't go learn about God's word. He'll give you whatever you want just to keep you away from that. He wants to dumb you down. Because if he dumbs you down, you're not an effective representative of Jesus Christ in your life. Here's another principle. True worship is discovery and all expressed in various ways. Discovery and all expressed in various ways. Well, how do you discover things? You learn about them. So the more you learn about God, the more in all you become. You are amazed at his grace and his goodness and his mercy. And you express your all in various ways through song, prayer, praise. It's important you understand that. Seven, we never stop learning about God. Never. We never stop learning about God. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how sick you are. You never stop learning about God. All right, now let's go to the next principle. The first sign of maturity and capacity for blessing is you being a content person. You having contentment. Listen to what Paul said. Let's go back to our verse. He said, I have learned to be content. Whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. That's prosperity. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Contentment is capacity for life. In Psalm 23, 5, my cup runneth over, David said, surely 
goodness, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, if I were you, I would like to be around a mature believer whose cup runneth over. I have experienced that, and I can tell you it's a wonderful thing to have blessing by association. And I can tell you it's a horrible thing to have cursing by association. So look at who you associate with. If you're associating with mature believers, then you're going to get blessing by association. As their cup overflows, some of it's going to flow over onto you. But if you're associating with reversionistic believers, people that don't care about God's Word, then the discipline in their life will overflow into your life. Remember that. If you're going to hang out with people, you want to hang out with those people that are mature believers, those people whose cup runneth over and they have capacity for blessing in their life. In Psalm 37:25, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. These are the logistical grace provisions that God gives the mature believer. As you grow in grace, he promises to provide every logistical need that you have. When he provides that, then you focus on him. We want to go into some things, and here's one verse, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I can put a caveat there, if you have the capacity. Delight is the Hebrew word anag. It's what we call the hippiel imperative. It means it's reciprocal action. God will reciprocate what you do. If you love him, he loves you. The Bible says that in 1 John 4. We love him because he first loved us. And so if God sees you delighting yourself in him, then he's happy to be delighted in you. And he gives you the desires of your heart much like a father would give a child the desires of the heart. But he's not going to give you something that will destroy you. You wouldn't give a six-year-old child a Corvette Stingray and say, drive it, kid. I mean, you may want something that will destroy you. We've got to look at that. We've got to examine this and see why he doesn't give you certain things because you don't have the capacity to handle it yet. There's much he wants to give you. Are you content with what you have? That's the key. Because without contentment, there's no capacity. I hope you're listening and I hope you're learning. I hope I'm not too boring or too dull for you. Please stay with me. Please keep listening. And please come back next week. Same time, same place. Until then, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.